the shiur and the study this evening is Leilu Nishmat Melia Mimi Kafiv Bat Olga Zichona Livracha. And all the words of Torah that we will share now and in discussion shall be Leilu Nishmata. Tonight it's not only the sixth night of Hanukkah, it's also Rosh Chodesh, so Chodesh Tov and Hanukkah Sameach. And the subject that we will discuss about it here this evening, it's a very deep and uh, general subject. The title is Artificial Intelligence and Hanukkah. So the side of uh, artificial intelligence, I have to say it myself, I'm not uh, scientific. I'm a rabbi, so I will speak more on the Hanukkah side. But any remarks and questions will be very welcome. I want to begin with a short story. About 12 years ago, it was one of my first uh, Hanukkah here in Monaco. There was a Jew that lived in the same building that I lived behind the train station of Monte Carlo. Whoever knew then in the house, we used to gather. And on one of the top floor, there was a Jew. The way I met him is because we had the sukkah on the terrace. And there was water coming from a terrace on top, on the roof of the sukkah, on the schach, on the branches of the sukkah. So I went up on the floor, I knocked on the door. And I said, Mister, there is some water coming from your terrace on my sukkah. So he answered me, Shalom Aleichem. So I begin to discuss with him. His name is uh, Roger. His name was Roger. Roger. He used to be a... He used to be a pilot in Air France. His family uh, died in the Shoah. And he didn't want to have any connection with practice of Judaism. So he said, uh, so, but we became friends on a personal level. But he told me anything Jewish, don't come to me. Sometime within the Minyan or something, I went to ask him. He said, no, no, anything Jewish, don't ask to me. Now it came Hanukkah. And I wanted to give him some candles. You know, we give to everyone candles to light the Hanukkah candles. I knew that if I will give him the candles, he will refuse it. So I got an idea. The... Um, the concierge of the building was a Jewish man. His name was Mike. And I said, I will leave the candles to Mike to give him to Roger. And I know that Roger was a very uh, gentleman. He will not refuse if I le left the package for him at the concierge of the building. This is what happened. I left the package at the concierge. And uh, the concierge told me I gave it over the Hanukkah candles to Roger. Few days after, I enter in the parking of the building and I see this Roger saying me hello with the hand. So I told him, uh, I was so happy, I would think he's going to thank me for the Hanukkah candles that he received. So I opened the window and said, Rabbi, I'm so happy I see you because I have to give you back the box of candle. I will not use it and instead of throwing it, these candles, give it to someone else. I didn't know what to say. I got an idea. I told them, you know what? 
Now I'm rushing. Come this evening in my house, five o'clock. Then it's a good time to give me back the candles. That was exactly the time that I invited a few friends to light the Hanukkah candles. At least it will come back, but it will, it will, it will participate to a Hanukkah candle. So come five o'clock sharp. We are sitting in the house with a few friends. The door, there is the ring. It's Roger, it's exactly precise. He comes back with the box, totally closed. It was already the fifth night of Hanukkah. And I told him, please come in. He was a gentleman, he cannot refuse. So he come to the, to the salon, around the table. We lit the Hanukkah candles. We, we ate some sufganiyot, uh, some beignet. And he had with him, all the time, he had with him the, 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 the box in the end. And I saw that when we light the Hanukkah and the children was, were singing, he was very emotional. And at the end, before going, he came to me, he said, Rabbi, can I please keep the box of the candles? And he left the house with the box of the candles of Hanukkah. Now, I want to ask a question. What is here the logical? What is here the algorithms? What is here the rational explanation to explain that a man, a very logical man, comes in my house to bring me back the candles. He assists to the moment that we light the candles and he said, can I keep the Hanukkah box? What happened? Which logical process happened in between that made change his mind? And it will be very difficult to give a rational explanation to that if not putting an element of a soul, an element of spirituality, an element of Kedusha. An element of the Jewish soul, that when a Jewish soul is seeing with his eyes a, a, a mitzvah, it wakes up the soul. And the Jew is always connected with himself. There is no way to disconnect a Jew from his soul and to therefore to disconnect a Jew from Judaism. Why do I use this story for introduction? It's very logical. As we're going to speak about artificial intelligence, I want to begin with a small uh, introduction. Artificial intelligence, the way it is today, it's very limited. What computers can do to today, it's just certain tasks. And in the tasks that the computers can do, it's evident that they can do them better than human. If... Uh, will ask from a computer to make some mathematics, it's evident that the computer will go faster and will be more precise than any human brain, even a very smart person. The same way today, a computer playing chess, for example, can win any champion of the world. The computer today understood the system and can win any champion of the world. The computer is stronger than them. Now, this is artificial intelligence that is very limited into a certain box. There is something else that we call strong AI, strong artificial intelligence. And this is a very big debate against scientific till where are we able to go? Are we able to teach to a machine, to a computer, the way the human brains work and therefore the machine will be able to compare things to another. 
this we can already do today. But more than that, to even the machine, give to a machine some type of conscience. This today we don't know, there is a, it's a long big question, how do we definite what is conscience, how to give that to a machine. But imagine that one day we will be able, according to, there is even more than that. Brain doesn't work only with logics. There is also what is called emotional intelligence. A lot of decisions that we take in life comes from emotion. I'll give an example. We can today teach some words to a computer and the computer will be able to talk with us. But today we're not yet able that the computer will be able to understand if it's a joke, if it's irony, or what is the contact between the people. When I speak with someone, it's not only a machine. There is an emotional contact, connection between the people. Now, let's say that maybe one day, and this is a big uh, debate about strong artificial intelligence, the debate between scientific is, will be, if we will be maybe able to teach to a computer to work exactly like a human, meaning to understand, to take decisions, to understand the system of emotions, that means we'll teach everything to the computer, till we will reach a level that it can do everything that a human can do and better. If we say so, then there is a question if this is dangerous or not, if one day we will reach such a level that the machine will be better than the human. And today I would like to share some of the Torah view, of the Jewish view, about what the human is and what the machine is. And it's going to be human against machine, if we can call that. And to discuss if the, in the Jewish view, if it's possible that one day the machine will be able to do everything the human is doing. When I was preparing today's uh, talk, I was thinking about four different points. At the end, thinking more, I came to a conclusion that it's not four points, it's two points, meaning we can join two together and two together. And when I continue to think a little bit more, I came to a conclusion that it's one point, that we can join everything together, it's one idea. But I want to present it to you in the first way I had it in my head, in, first, in the four, four different parts, one, two, three, four, and we'll explain how in choose all the four points together, they join into one central idea. And in truth, every idea, if we understand it better, it comes together. When we get high, more things are un united. Because in truth, there is only one point in everything. So if we understand everything good, we can understand that in truth, everything is connected only with one point. And I want to begin with a Midrash. It's a Midrash in, uh, on Megillat Echa. Megillat Echa is what we read on Tisha B'Av, the, the destruction of the Temple. And the Midrash there talks about the difference that there is between wisdom, Chokhmah, and Torah. Meaning, is Torah just a different category of wisdom? Because there is a lot of type of wisdom, a lot of different type of science. Is one of them Torah? Or there is Torah on one side and wisdom on another side. 
And the Midrash quote like this. The Midrash said, Im yomar lecha adam, if someone tells you, yesh chokhmah bagoim, there is wisdom in the nations, the nations of the world, ta'amin, believe him, there is wisdom in the nation. Torah bagoim al ta'amin. But Torah in the nation, there is not. Now here we come to a question. What is the difference between Torah and wisdom? Why is Torah something different than all categories of wisdom? And I want to share with you, I will uh, quote today a lot of uh, different rabbis, scientific, also uh, uh, contemporary, modern people with who I uh, discussed uh, in the last few days or in the last few years. But I want to begin with uh, quoting a talk from the Lubavitch Rebbe in uh, the holiday of Shavuot in the year 1955. And it goes like this to explain the difference that there is between Torah and all the other science. All the other science of the world, all the science, are based on logical approach. Meaning, the, begin, the beginning the funda fundamental of the science is the human brain. First there is the human brain, I think, and then I come to definite what is science and to approach. I will, in any science, we have to put some uh, axiom, meaning some base, that this base is not necessarily logical, but based on that, we will advance and have some uh, logical approach. In the Torah, there is a dimension that is totally different than the logical approach. There is a different dimension. It's a godly dimension, a holy dimension, and that dimension is totally different. We're going here totally out of the definition of science and logical. We're coming to a, another level of belief, of belief in something that is godly. So this is totally a different level that there is in Torah. And it goes like this. Science is based on human understanding. Torah, human understanding comes after God's acceptance. Meaning, the beginning of Torah, it's not my understanding. Beginning of Torah is that what God said and He gave us the Torah on Har Sinai. And this is... Um, absolute true. According to that, then I will begin to learn the Torah and to understand it. But the beginning is not my understanding. And this approach is totally different than the science. To explain this idea, I would like to quote a modern Jewish philosopher. His name is Benjamin Gross. And I will quote the story how I had, we had the discussion with him. It was uh, Benjamin Gross is a very uh, he passed away now a few years ago. He was a very famous uh, Jewish philosopher, uh, originally from France, from Strasbourg. Then later he made his aliyah. He became a teacher of philosophy in Jerusalem, university professor of, of philosophy in the University of Jerusalem, and he was a guest uh, as a teacher of philosophy in many universities, as Geneva, Geneva Harvard and around the world. A few years ago, there was a trip here from the community in Monaco with some teenagers, and I say hello to my friend Edra that I see. 
And we went, it was the March of the Living, we went together to join uh, thousands and thousands of uh, youth and adults from all over the world. And we were, for, we were for a few days in Poland. And on one of the trips we were in the bus. So I was sitting with some of the teens of Monaco. I can even call them my friends. And I see in front of us an old couple sitting very discreetly. Now I see the man and I know that he is Professor Benjamin Gross, a very famous philosopher. But he sat in such a discreet way that whoever looked at them were thinking that here goes an old man that came to visit like everyone. So I said, he's sitting here, we're sitting in the back, let's have a, some discussion with them. We all came around them, we begin a discussion, and that discussion till today, it's for me a, a light. And I will tell you what he said in a few words. He said that, the approach of science is that first I am, je pense, donc j'existe. I thinking, I'm thinking, and therefore I exist. Meaning it begins with the me. It begins with the fact that I think, and according to that, everything will follow. And the idea behind it is that there is nothing before. I make a total white page. I begin to think. And from my thinking, I will believe to, I will continue to advance. But the beginning is me. The Torah teaches us that beginning is not the me. The me comes after. The beginning is the acceptance. The beginning is Akadosh Baruch Hu. The beginning is our parents. Is what we accept. What we come from. Based on that, I begin to think. So first I exist, and then I think. This is the Jewish approach. Not the modern uh, science that first I think, and according to that, I exist. Meaning that I will definite, I will give a definition of what is wrong and what is right, based on my understanding. And this is why, in such a way of thinking, you can come to a total derive, in derive, and come to things that are totally immoral, for example, but according to my understanding, it's something that has a place. So if I think, then I will definite what's good and what's not. But according to the Jewish approach, I don't definite what's good and what's wrong. I accept what's good and what's wrong. What's right and what's, what is truth and what's not. Based on that, I'm thinking. It's the opposite way. And this philosopher, uh, Benjamin Gross, gave us a very interesting talk and there was a debate about it. Now, Going back to the artificial intelligence, a computer, you can teach them a system. You will teach them an algorithm, and he will do it in the perfect way. He will do it better than us. And more, we will teach them different things. They will understand how it goes, and they will be able to make a replica of it in a total, straight, fast, without a mistake. But all this, it's only the intelligent side, the human side. The Torah side, meaning the godly side, the side of the soul, the spiritual side, there is no way to bring this dimension, 
this godly dimension, this irrational dimension, into a machine. A machine will always be only a tool to use, that the human will use. I want to continue here and to say something interesting. We live in a world today that even humans being, we are taught in certain manners to be like machines. Everything is into a frame, into an algorithm, into A, B, C, and there is a format and we need to fit into that format. This is why, for example, you can find very bright children, genius, that in school they will fail. They will not find their place in the system. It's right. This system based like this, like this, like this, like this. They don't find their place. And you can find this in a lot of examples in modern life. In corporation, corporates, everything. There is rules. It has to be like this and like that. This is good. This is good for a machine. A human being is a lot higher than that. He has a godly potential. This is higher than any way of teaching. Of, of, it's not limited into this box. Now, how I say I have four points. This is, I will touch the four points. I will connect them. All this is point number one. The difference between Chokhmah and Torah. Wisdom, that is only rational. The rational approach. And Torah, that is a godly, a higher approach. And it's evident that uh, any machine can have the rational approach in a very advanced manner, but not when it comes to the Torah, meaning the godly, the spiritual approach. Point number one. Point number two, and here I'm coming to Hanukkah. Hanukkah, the Greeks were against the Jews. This why was war. There was a war of the Maccabees. We, 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 we stood up and there was a war and the small army of Maccabees win the big army of the Greeks. Good. And then there was the miracle in the Holy Beit HaMikdash that we find the jar enough for one day. It lasted eight days. Now, what did the Greeks, the Greeks wanted? They wanted to kill the Jews? No. No. It was under occupation. They wanted the Jews to become like the Greeks. Now, we always said that the Greeks didn't let the Jews learn the Torah. In truth, to be a little bit more precise, we have to look at the text that we say in the Tefillah of Hanukkah. And this text is saying exactly what the Greeks wanted to do to the Jews. And the, the text said like this, Lehashkicham Toratecha. They wanted us to forget Toratecha. In Hebrew, your Torah, the Torah of God. Now, what is the difference between Torah Techa, your Torah, and Torah? Why not Lashkicham Ha Torah? Why Torah Techa, your Torah? So there is a Gemara that said that the temple was destroyed because because we didn't say the blessing of the Torah before learning the Torah. What is this blessing saying? This blessing is saying that the Torah comes from Hashem. Baruch Atah Hashem noten Torah. It's a Torah from God. So there is a big difference if we look at the Torah as another wisdom or we look at the Torah as the Torah of God, Torah Techa. The Greeks didn't bother them that the Jews should learn Torah the same way they learned some a lot of science. The Greeks were intelligent people, open people, so there is also a place from some Jewish tradition and some Jewish logic approach. But when we come to Torah Techa, it's the Torah of God, by saying the Torah of God, we're taking away any logical and rational definition to it. Because we're saying from God. This is why what the Greeks did, 
they made the whole impure. And what was the victory? That we find a drawer of all that was pure. Now what is the difference between pure and impure? Taho, pure, and tameh. These two words, they don't have any rational definition. There is zero rational definition between the all that is pure and the all that is not pure. Not rational definition, not physical definition. It's a godly definition. It was decided that this is only touched by the Kohen Gadol and this was touched by someone that is impure. The Greeks bothered them this irrational dimension that there is in Judaism. This is why they said, learn Torah like a science, no problem. But Torah Techa, the Torah of God, a godly dimension, this we want to take away. This is what the Greek wanted to do. And the victory of Hanukkah is that we remember that this is the Torah of Hashem. We remember the dimension of the miracle. And this is why also Hanukkah is eight days. It's right that the simple explanation is because the time to create new oil was eight days. But the symbol of number eight, it's behind nature. Nature is symbolized by number seven, seven days of the week. Seven is a symbol of the world, of what's rational. And when we come to eight, it's something that is irrational. This is also why the Brit Milah is at eight days. Sure, there is a physical explanation because at the earliest time when we can make on the baby perform the Brit Milah, but the spiritual explanation, because the Brit Milah, it's not a logical connection with God. The Brit Milah, it's not an act that is done at an adult age where we can understand. The Brit Milah comes to say that the Jewish connection with God comes before any rational and only logical. And it's the symbol of eight. Coming back to Hanukkah, this is the entire symbol of the holiday of Hanukkah. It's not rational. It's not Greek. It's Torah Techa, the Torah of Hashem. It's a miracle. Miracle is higher than nature. This is also number eight. So the entire idea of Hanukkah comes together the idea that we want to say. Now in the time of Hanukkah, the Greeks were stronger. The Greeks made a difference. They made a mistake that science, intelligence, Beauty, that was something of very important values for the Greeks. For them, all these values, they were purpose. Beauty was a purpose. But us, I'm Israel, all these are very important. Intelligence is important. Science is important. Beauty is important. But as tools for a purpose. Not as a purpose. I, I uh, saw a beautiful answer from the Gaon, the Rishon Litzion. He's writing an answer to a man that asked him a question. We think that someone from the level of Rav Vadia Yosef maybe will not even answer, but he gave him a long answer that is printed in his books of Halakha. And the question was, is it proper for a man, before he goes out to, the, to his day of work, to look at the mirror and make himself nice? That was the Halakhic question that was asked to one of the giants of our generation. And Rav Vajad Yosef, is answering him, having all discussion that in the Torah, the man should not act like a woman, and the, what is the act of a woman should not be the act of a man. And he comes to a conclusion that if this is used as a tool, that you should be nicer and have respect from people in order to fulfill the goal that he needs to make, yes, why not? And that the Chacham that represent the Torah should be nice, like these people will have more respect for the Torah because they see the beauty. 
we find this many sources in the Gemara to that. That Rabbi Yochanan was beautiful and that the sage should go with uh, clothing that are clean in order to be respected. Now, all this beauty, it's good. But as a tool, not like the Greek as a purpose. And here we come back with our second point of Hanukkah, with our illogical approach of Hanukkah, that logic is good, beauty is good, but only as a tool. Using that idea for artificial intelligence, it's very good. And we should advance in science as much as we can. But we should remember that all this is a tool in the, in the hand of human. And here I come to the third point that we want to say. God created human being in his image. Betzalmo. created man in his image. And there is a main explanation what means that Hashem created man in his image. Now, we have to remember two things. And here I will quote um, a professor of physics, a doctor that wrote many books about uh, physics, quantum physics, mathematics, and also Jewish wisdom. His name is uh, Dr. Edward Chifrin. And I discuss... Uh, from Moscow, and I discussed with them uh, many of the points that we said uh, today about artificial intelligence. I had a discussion with them about it. And he said a beautiful sentence, and I, and I want to quote him. He said, we have to remember that human beings, we are not God, and machines are not human beings. Meaning, God created us in his image. In his image. But there is God and there is human being. It's two different things. If we can create humans, if we can create a machine that is better than human, then we are God, God forbid. And the machines are humans. So we have to remember that humans are not God and machines are not human. So there is God that created man in his image. And man can use tools, a lot of tools. Some of these tools are the machines, are the, in our subject, artificial intelligence. And I will explain this idea. Based on um, Pasuk that speaks about the cooperation with angels, angels, Malachim, and us and Israel, people, human beings. If I will ask you who is greater, angels or us, many people will answer angels. Somehow it's right, angels are more holy and they're better than human beings. But let me tell you that we somehow are greater than angels. And the Pasuk is saying like that, that we are Mehalchim Bein Aomdim. Mehalchim means the one who advance between Omdim, the one that are standing on one place. The angels, they are the one called standing on one place. And we are called the one who advanced. Why? Angels are pure. Angels are holy. Angels are very high. But the angels, they were created in a certain format and they cannot move from this format. One angel is created for this mission, for, for the kindness. One angel is the angel of Gevorah, for the judgment. And each one in what he was, in his format, he will advance only in his format. Because advance only in his format, there is no real changement. So it's called Omdim, standing on his place. Us, who are able to change. Human beings who are able to stand up one day in the morning and say, today I'm someone different. I will act different. I will change my behavior. 
I will advance. And in our lives, in our days, we have to advance and we do advance, we do change. The possibility of changement, it's a present from God to human beings. And Malachim, angels, how holy they are, they are the way they are. They're not able to change. Now, in my cooperation, in the way that I want to compare them, and this is my own understanding, in, in, we should take it into a limited frame, I want to say that machine or artificial intelligence can be like angels, meaning in what they are format, formatted, in what they are taught, they can do that mission better than human. Good, but they are not human. They're not able to change. They're not able to advance. They're able to do only what they have been taught to do according to a certain logical. There is not one morning that the artificial intelligence say, today I'll change. I'll become a different person. Like the idea of the human being that we're able in the morning to say, today will be different than yesterday. I will act like a different person. And I want to explain this third point by going to the fourth point. It's something that I have come in my mind, but I think that this is something beautiful. Can a machine make a mistake? If it was taught properly, it will not make a mistake. You will say that this is a strong point of the machine. I think that this is one of the weaknesses of a machine. Because the fact that a human being is able to fail, this is part of the definition of a human being. The fact that we're able to make a mistake, it can be a mistake in the calculation on a separate level, but it can be a mistake in our decisions in life. We're able to fail. And even what we are taught, even in what we know that's wrong, look, some decisions that we take, we know that they are wrong. It's written in the Gemara, Ein adam over avera, ela imken A person is doing avera to go against the will of God only if he has a type of craziness that came in his mind. Because to go against God's will, it's craziness. To make a sin is a nonsense. It will ask to a rational person. The benefit that he will have from the sin, it's not good. The outcome is not good. There is maybe a pleasure on the moment of the sin, but the consequence, they will be difficult. Doing good can be difficult on the moment, but it will be positive outcome. So what is the logical to do the sin? There is no logical. It's a sin. Therefore, it's not logical. It's a ruashtut. It's a type of craziness. It's a type of mistake. But the power of human being is that we're able to fail, we're able to fall, and we're able to rise back. And I want to give on that an example of this week parasha when we are talking about Yosef at Sadiq. There is only two people in the entire Torah that they are called Tzadik. The word Tzadik, righteous person, it's written about them. About Adam Arishon, it's not written that he was a Tzadik. The word Tzadik is not written. About Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, it's not written in the text, the word Tzadik about them. Who are the two people on who it's written Tzadik? The first one is Noach. Noach is Tzadik, Tamim Ayah Bedorotav. Noach was a Tzadik. He's the only one in the Hamishah Chum Shitorah in the book of Dora. The second one, it's Yosef, that in the Haftarah, of Parashat Vayeshev, actually one is Hanukkah, we do not read this Haftarah because we read the Haftarah of Hanukkah. But if not, if it's the Haftarah, it's written the word Tzadik, 
in the text of the Haftarah on the subject of Yosef. Now, I will tell you something common that we have between Noach and Yosef. Noach, when we say that he was a righteous person in his generation, some say in his generation he was a tzaddik. But if you will put him in another generation, oy, 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 he was a tzaddik only compared to the generation of Noach. But if you will put him next to Abraham, he's nothing. So it's not so positive. It's not such a tzaddik. <laughs> when you come to Yosef, it's written in the text that after Yosef was sailed by his brothers and became a slave to the house of Potiphar, the wife of Potiphar wanted to sin with Yosef. And one day Yosef comes to do his duty. Simple meaning, he comes to do his duty. He was in charge of the house. He comes to do his work. If you see what the Chachamim are saying about it, there is two opinions. One opinion said, he comes to do his job. He comes to fulfill his obligations. Another explanation is, that day he came to sin. After day and day and day that he, get, he was strong not to fall in the sin, that day he came in a mind to sin. What happened the last moment? He saw, he had the vision of the face of Yaakov, of his father. And he said, a son of Yaakov can do that. It's like us, looking who, who is our father, who is our grandfather, when we come from, and me, a son of such a person, a grandson of such a person, I will act like this, and I hold myself. This is what happened with Yosef at Sadiq. Now, both Sadiq, they're not such a Sadiq. <laughs> if he came to sin, that's not, is that a Sadiq? Noah, is that a Sadiq? So there is a beautiful explanation, and I will quote it. It's the name of the Maharal Bach. Maharal Bach is Rabbi Levi Ibn Habib, a great between the great of his generation, 500 years ago in Tzvat. There was a group of Chachamim that give light to all the generations to come. Rabbi Yosef Karo that wrote the Shulchan Aruch, the Arizal that teach the Kabbalah. In the same time that they were in Tzfat, there was in Yerushalayim, a great Chacham called Ma'ar Al-Bach, Rabbi Levi Ben Habib. There was many books of ancient letters between them, big debates. But one of the things that he wrote about Yosef, and he said that, about this question, how can Yosef call him a tzaddik and come to come a sin? And he said, this is a tzaddik. A tzaddik is not an angel. A tzaddik is a human being that has weakness and that is able to overcome them. Yosef had weakness. He was a human being. But he overcome. So he is a tzaddik. It's written, Sheva yipol tzaddik vakam. A tzaddik fall. It's able to rise back. The tzaddik, it's not the one that doesn't fall. He's the one that knows after how to come back. To stand back on his feet. To come back in the right way is the tzaddik. So we have now to tzaddik a human definition. A definition of being able to sin or to fall or to want to sin and not to do it and to do teshuvah. This definition, never a machine, how smart it can be, can, can have this approach of failing and trying again and trying again, and coming back on the feet, and fighting with life. And this is the weakness, but also the power of the human. And this is also one of the explanations that God created human being in His image, that He has free choice. Free choice means that He can sin, and He can do good. And free choice, it's only something that Kadosh Baruch Hu gave to a human being. Now, coming of all these four points, and I will say that in truth, they all join into one idea and I will now conclude our, our uh, 
subject and I will give uh, to you whoever wants to share something, to ask a question or, or, to, or to object if you said that if you have another point of view, please share it. The four points that we said, point number one, that there is a difference between Chochmah and Torah, that Torah has a godly definition. Point number two, the idea of Chanukah, that the Greeks made a mistake between what is a tool and what is a purpose. They had good tools, they had good elephants, but that's not the purpose. By us, beauty and wisdom are important, but as a tool for a godly purpose. Point number three, that God created men in his image. God created men in his image. But men are not God and machines are not men. And this is the difference between men and angels, that we can advance, we can change. And the last point, the point number four, is the weakness of the person that's able to fall, to make a mistake, and to rise back, to stand back on his feet, what a machine cannot do. So coming back of all this, I want to conclude and say like this. We have to remember that everything that there is in the world around us, they are tools that are helping us to fulfill the mission for which God sent our soul in the world. And I'll give a small example because I want to finish with something concrete. There is one day in the week that we will not use these uh, tools and devices. On Shabbat Kodesh, we're not going to use our smartphone, we're not going to use the artificial intelligence, we're not going to use the computers. Now, there are great tools. But when one day we disconnect from them, it's coming, us, giving us to understand this day, what is the real purpose of life and what are tools in the life? What is the core, the purpose of creation, the soul, the godly, the, the, the godly part, the irrational part, something that's higher than everything, than machines. And we have to make sure that we use these machines, that we direct them, and not that we became slave of the machine. That our telephone, our iPhone, our smart machine, they will, in an unconscious way, tell us how to act, and we will follow because the machines, and because the social, and because all this, all this is very nice, it's very good. But as a tool that I use, when comes a day like Shabbat, that I disconnect from these machines, and I remember my purpose for which I was created, an amount of people that understand clearly this mission, they may be very small in quantity, but this is the lesson of Hanukkah. People like the Maccabim, even if they're small, if they know why they were sent on earth, they believe in that, and they are attached to Hashem, they are attached to God, they can win something that is bigger in number, something that may be stronger. And this is our mission, Am Israel, who believes in the purpose of the world, to bring to Tikkun Olam, to a world of peace, to a world of good, and to use all the tools that Hashem gave us as tools. So we disbelieve, with help of Hashem, will go in the direction of the Beta Mekdash, of the Holy Temple, we will be able to light the menorah, not only the small Hanukkiah that we have in our houses, but in the world of peace, when it will be Umala Aaretz Deret Hashem, that the world will be full of knowledge of God and everything in the world, it will be clear that everything is created only for the purpose of the creation to serve Akadosh Baruch Hu. Thank you everyone that uh, took time to, to listen to this uh, small uh, expose idea that we prepared. And now I invite you to open your mark and to say some remarks, questions about this subject. Hanukkah Sameach to everyone.